Alright, hi, this is Roland Fisher, lead pastor of Second City Church, and we hope that you're well. Welcome to our online service. We hope you leave today encouraged, full of faith, and ready to take the kingdom of God wherever you may go. But we just wanted you to know that we're so glad that you've chosen to join us today. And once again, welcome. Hello and good morning, or whenever you're watching this, Second City Church. My name is Cole. I'm associate pastor here at the church along with lead pastor Rollin Fisher, who you get to hear from on a more regular basis. And I'm so glad you chose to come back today or to this video again whenever you're watching it as we're continuing through our Free My Soul series because that is God's will. That is why Jesus came, so that our souls could be free, so He could give us the abundant life here and now as we wait for eternity to come in where we can be with Him forever. So guys, we've been working our way through getting free from judgments, getting free from triggers, last week getting free from fears, and now we're going to talk about getting freedom in our souls from insecurities. That's right. And so the focus point for today that we're going to focus in on is we can be free from insecurity when we build our lives on Christ the Rock. Again, our focus for today is we can be free from insecurities in our souls when we begin to build our lives on Christ the Rock. And so guys, uh, first off, we want to define insecurity as we're talking about it today. And so insecurity is going to be defined as instability in the soul. Okay, Your soul being your mind, being your will, your volition, right, and your emotions, how you feel. And so what's interesting here is that even before we go into the main scriptures, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 8, we're not going to read it right now, but please go read it. It says it in this way. It talks about insecurity as double-mindedness, as being unstable, and then, uh uh-oh, uh-oh, as being faithless. Wow, 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 wow. So it is a spiritual problem if we're dealing with insecurity, okay? So we're going to address that right now. Okay, so true insecurity comes down to lacking the wisdom of heaven that is only obtained through faith in Jesus. Now, there's a couple of biblical examples, and we're going to focus in on one of them. But as I was preparing this message, what came to mind were Peter, when he was calling down curses on himself after he did exactly what Jesus said he was going to do. He said, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. But Peter started calling down curses on himself, even though Jesus had said, you're going to do this, but Jesus also chose him as an apostle. And so there was a deep-rooted insecurity there that Jesus came back and had to heal in him. And then Judas, Judas the traitor, right? Even though Jesus had called him friend, he still did not come back in repentance, but actually went all the way and committed suicide, unfortunately, right? So Jesus definitely wants to free us from insecurity. And then Abraham and Isaac, the forefathers of the faith, right? Uh, The patriarchs, they almost lost their wives through lying due to insecurity about what would happen to them because of their faithlessness in the moment and God taking care of them. And then you guys remember Saul, right? The first king of Israel. He almost forfeited an entire generation and he did forfeit the kingdom because of his own insecurity. And so these people did not come into what God had for them outside of his mercy for them, but and then faith in Christ bringing them through. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. So we're going to jump in and look at the example of Cain and Abel all the way back in Genesis 4. And the three points that we're going to go through is going to be don't be deceived, 
come into the light and build your life on the rock. Okay, don't be deceived. Point two, come into the light. And point three, build your life on the rock. All right, so join me as we, point number one, don't be deceived. The insecurities that drain you are not random. Now let's go to the Word and see what it has to say about this. Genesis 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 26. Now Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. When he built a city, he called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. And then to Enoch was born Irad, Irad fathered Mahogiel, and Mahogiel fathered Methushiel, and Methushiel fathered Lamech. And Lamech took two wives. The name of the one was Ada, and the name of the other Zillah, and bore Jabal. He was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who play the lyre and pipe. Zillah also bore Tubal-Cain, who was the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. The sister of Tubal-Cain was Naamah. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. You wives of Lamech, listen to what I say. I've killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth, for she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel. For Cain killed him. So to, to Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. And at that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. So apparently, there's a lot going on with that passage, and we're not going to get to all of it today. But what I feel like the Lord wanted us to pull out of this is that when we're dealing with insecurity, and when it is left unchecked, right? There are several things that will begin to happen in us. And even at the very beginning, right, with Cain, he was the second, right, from Adam. It began to happen to him. And how much more us in the world that we live in today with everything that has already happened. And so what we see here is that 
uh, Adam and Eve, they had gotten right with God, right? And she began to live by faith again. Okay, I'm going to bear a child. We're going we're gonna to believe the promise that God said that a Savior would come through my line and bring healing and salvation to the whole world. And so she, she, she got a man, it says, which means she had a son, right? And that was Cain. And so what we, but what we see here is that parents and mentors can leave a spiritual inheritance, right? Like Adam and Eve, they decided to, to move on in faith, right? And trust God. So they can leave a spiritual inheritance for the next generation, but each generation must choose to live it by faith. Now what we see here is the correlation, right? Cain and Abel, right? It says that Cain in, uh, in time brought an offering from the ground to the Lord. But Abel, Abel also brought an offering. He bought the firstborn of his sheep, and he bought also fat portions. And what we see is God had regard for Abel's offering, but did not have regard for Cain's offering. And so the truth here for us today is that we were made to worship God. We weren't made to just, just simply serve Him religiously. Yes, we're made to serve Him, but we're made to worship Him, to love Him, to give Him our very best, right? Because He has given His very best to us, and He's worthy of it. And so, like Abel, God will affirm us, right, when we bring His prescribed wholehearted worship to Him, right? And so Cain just brought whatever he thought, whatever he had available. It was not wholehearted devotion. It was not by faith. And as we read in other places in the Bible, it says that the only thing that pleases the Lord is faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. And so that is the main difference between Cain's offering and Abel's offering. It was excellent. It was wholehearted devotion. It was by faith because he knew what God had done to cover Adam and Eve, his mom and dad, when they had sinned. God had covered them with skins of animals, which means something had to die, apparently. And so Abel took that to heart and followed that example and brought God what he had already said was pleasing to him as to where Cain did not. So friends, if you want to be delivered from insecurity, we must worship God as he has prescribed. We must follow his example and the example of Christ, right? Giving wholehearted devotion, living by faith, and not just what we think is good or right or best. Now, anything less than wholehearted devotion to God will leave room for insecurity. So when we choose to give half offerings, when we choose to be negligent right, in our worship to God, that will leave uh, places for the enemy uh, to come in and to get a foothold in our souls. right? And so do not be deceived. Your soul does have a real enemy, and that real enemy's goal is to steal from you, to kill from you, and to destroy you, which is what John 10.10 10 tells us. It says that the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy but the good news is that Jesus came to give us life and to give it to us abundantly. Okay. Now, insecurity can cause, as we see here, and we've seen it all around us, right? But what we see with Cain is it caused violent anger against God, and his face fell. He went into uh, kind of a manic depression, I guess we could say. And he was very angry, and he withdrew. He became cold-hearted, and then he started to believe a false narrative, which God in his mercy came in to correct him. He said, no, Cain, if you just do what is right, what your brother did, will it not go well with you? But Cain rejected that, and that's where the insecurity came in, and that's where the enemy of his soul and our soul came in and began to torment him, began to um, uh, fan into flame that insecurity, which broke down his relationships, which 
then there was no society, right? And so they went out to the field and he just gave full vent to his anger and ended up killing him. Well, you and I, some of us maybe have killed somebody and that's forgivable too. God, God, if, God can, can forgive us of even those things. But we kill lots of other things in our lives. We kill the input that people who love us have for us. We kill relationships. We kill opportunities that God wants to bring into our lives to bless us because we're stuck in our insecurity. And there is an enemy there that is flaming that. Insecurities can cause us to forfeit our secured inheritance. And this is due to neglect brought on as we pursue things that are not ours, a.k.a. fantasies. So the insecurities will call us, cause us to pursue things that were never ours to have. And so we neglect and do not cherish the very things that God has given to us. And we don't want to fall into that. And the good news here is that God's mercy will see us through our insecurity. Just as, as we read, God put a mark on Cain because Cain's insecurity said, No, I can't bear this. People are going to kill me now. Right? He had this crazy narrative in his head. Right? Um, his terror was even going before him, before it had even happened to him. But God showed mercy. He said, no, I'm going to bring dignity to your life, and I'm going to mark you. And he will do that for us as well. And he will bring us through until we can come to faith in Jesus Christ. But that is the goal today. All right, friends. Now we're going to move on to um, section number three. With uh, Number two, sorry. Come into the light. So I want you to turn with me to Mark 3, 1 through 6. And what we're going to see here is that whatever God reveals in our insecurities, He intends to heal. I'll say it again. Whatever God reveals, He intends to heal. So turn with me to Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Again, He entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether He would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse Him. And He said to the man with the withered hand, Come here. And He said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm? to save life or to kill, but they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him, or some of the translations say how to kill him. Kind of sounds like Cain, right? He didn't want to worship the way that God had intended, and neither did the Pharisees in that moment. And Jesus here is saying to them, I am Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And so therefore, we're going to bring the healing and the salvation of God to this man today. And so the truth about this scripture that we see here, God reveals and then he heals. And God is still healing. He is not done yet. He's not done healing you. If there are things that are still wrong, he wants to bring it to full completion. And we are, and the truth is that Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, but Jesus is himself the Sabbath rest for our souls, right? We're going to talk in a minute about how he went to the cross and paid the price for our sins. And that is a Sabbath rest for our souls. And he himself is that. Now, when God wants to bring healing to you or someone else's life, don't remain silent. Agree with God. It grieved God's heart, and he was angry when the Pharisees remained silent in that moment. They did not have God's heart, and they did not agree with what he wanted to do. They were actually looking for reasons to accuse him. 
because they did not understand. So when we see somebody that is in need, when we see ourselves in need, we need to remember that God wants to heal them, and we need to agree with Him when He wants to do that. Now, when we choose accusation and religious duty over mercy and compassion, God is angry and His heart is grieved. And whether we choose to agree with God in bringing this healing of the insecurities in our lives and other people's lives, we show whether our heart is in sync with God's or not. Now, this is, this is the hard one, and this is really like the key point of this, of this section, and it's that we must bring our insecurities into the light. Remember the man with the withered hand? Can you imagine how insecure he must have been? When Jesus, the guy who's teaching that day, says, come up here, stand in front of everybody and show them what you've been insecure about and hiding your whole life or however long it had been like that up until this point. I can imagine there's a little bit of a mental battle going on for that guy. Like, oh, uh, can I trust him? Is he going to embarrass me, humiliate me? I'm here to worship. I didn't think this was going to happen. It took faith for that guy to get up there. And so when we bring our insecurities into the light of God's word, we will risk exposure and we will risk ridicule, right? Because what if he doesn't follow through? What if he does embarrass me in front of everybody? And so the point is that for us to come into the light for Jesus' deals, it will take faith. There will be something, whether it's confession of sin that has perpetuated the insecurity in your life or something that has just happened to you and you have to get vulnerable with someone or with God first, of course. It will take faith to come into the light and to receive the healing that he has for you. So don't be deceived. It will take faith. But the good news is that by faith we can come to Christ with our insecurities because he promises to never put us to shame. Psalm 25, 1 through 3. And there's really a ton of psalms that talk about how God will not put us to shame. But I really like this one. Psalm 25, 1 through 3 says, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. And so, he's trustworthy. We can come naked, so to speak, naked in our souls before him. He knows it all. He knew that guy had a withered hand. He knows everything about us, friends. We can just come as we are, but expecting that he's going to heal us as well. And so we're going to move on to point number three, and that is build on the rock. So the first one is don't be deceived. There is a real enemy of your soul, right? Number two, we're going to have to come into the light. We're going to have to risk exposure and shame. But the truth is he's faithful, and if we come to him with these insecurities, he will heal us. But number three, if we want to be free from these insecurities, we must begin to build a life on the rock of Jesus Christ and on his word. That way, we actually have true security, and there's no more room for the enemy to come in and accuse us because not only have we found our righteousness in the righteousness of Christ and who he is and his love for us and the forgiveness that we have in him that makes us right with God, but then we begin to live righteous as we begin to work out our salvation, as the Holy Spirit produces the fruits of the Spirit, and we begin to love God through obedience. And so we're going to read Matthew 7, 21 through 29, and we're going to, the point here is when we hear and do the words of Jesus, we will be freed from all our insecurities because God is faithful. When we hear and do the words of Jesus, 
we will be freed from all our insecurities because God is faithful. Matthew 7, 21 through 29 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. And so friends, we see here that knowing God's ways is not enough to free us from insecurity. We must, by faith, do what he says. When we live a life of intellectual assent of who God is and what he has said, but yet our lives are devoid of heart devotion, we deceive ourselves and we do not actually love God. And so therefore we don't have the security that he wants us to have because we're not loving him. We were made to be loved by God and return that love back to Him. We show we've received God's love when we trust Him and obey Him. Loving God, trusting God, loving Jesus, trusting Jesus will always manifest itself in obedience to Him. And the ultimate reason for humanity's, humanity's insecurity is that without Christ, we truly do have a legitimate reason to be insecure. Why? Because we're not right with God. And there is a day coming where the just one, the one who is holy, will judge sin. And if we have chosen to identify with sin rather than identifying with Christ, then we, our uh, insecurity is legitimate. And He wants to free us from that. And that's the good news. Our sins... And I call them our unloving disobedience to our Maker have separated us from Him, thereby leaving a true and eternal security that only God can heal. So even if we do all the self-help, if we um, identify all of the insecurities that we have in our relationships with people, our fear of lack, or our fear of being uh, humiliated, or, or being abandoned, If all these things we work on, but then we neglect the very cornerstone of our security, which is that we're sinners and we need to be saved, and Christ is the only one who can do that, then all of this will be for naught. And so today, I beg and I plead, if Jesus is not your cornerstone, the eternal one, the son of the living God who gave his life for us, I beg you to do that today. Our souls sense the separation and the coming judgment for our disobedience. But here's the good news. You ready? You've heard it all the time. We're going to read it again though. John 3, 16 through 18 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God, and this is security, for God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, 
He did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And this is eternal security, friends. Whoever believes in him, who is this promise for? Whomever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already. And that's why we have all of the insecurity, because we're already separated from God. But God loves us in that He comes on a rescue mission for us. Because He has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And so today, will you begin to build your life on what Jesus has done? Coming from heaven to earth, born of a virgin, living the perfect life for 33 years on the earth, sinless, that you and I have not lived, but He did it for us. And then He chose to lay down His life as a perfect, sinless sacrifice that His blood would be for us, for the forgiveness of our sins, that we would be made eternally secure for him, in Him forever. And then He rose from the dead three days later, proving that God did accept his sacrifice. And therefore, as the scripture says, all that believe in him will not be condemned, but will be saved. So today, I ask you, do you want to make that decision today? Do you want to begin to build on the cornerstone, but then on the foundation of the word of God and build a life, not only that will make it into eternity, but is actually pleasing and fruitful here and now? But today's your day. And for all my friends out there, you're saying, yes, Cole, yes, Pastor Cole, I know Jesus. He is my cornerstone and my rock. I know that my eternity is secured because of Him, but I'm just not sure about here and now what to do. Well, guys, I want you to meditate on 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1-11. through 11. We're not going to read it here and now, but go and do that. And this is a prescription, so to speak, from Peter on how, if you've already placed your faith in Christ, you can confirm your calling in Christ through how you live, through how you obey Him. And so I want you to do that so that you can be confirmed in your calling that you are a, a, a son, son or daughter of God. And then the last thing I want to share with you guys today is if you want to live a secure life, I feel like the Lord was saying there were, there were three things, of course. Number one, Christ is the cornerstone. And number two, the Scriptures tell us that the the Bible, the apostles and the prophets who God used to write the scriptures are the foundation with Christ being the cornerstone. But then the church, Christ's body, right? We're all in it together with Christ as our head. That he's the buttress that uh, the church is that, that holds us in place. If you think about a building, a cornerstone, a foundation, and then you've got the bricks or the stones coming up. Well, because the stones are tightly packed, they hold each other in place. That's security. That's the opposite of insecurity. You know your role. You know where you fit. You know what God's um, purpose is for your life when you're involved in the church. And then a small picture that goes along with that. Um, I, I felt like the Lord showed me a picture of a Jenga tower. Have you ever played that Jenga game? You want to talk about insecurity and instability. That game is so nerve-wracking, right? You pull out one block in this tower that's a square that's tall. And then you see how many blocks you can pull out before it all crumbles to the ground. Well, I feel like he was saying that um, for all of his children that are out there, that yes, you place your trust in Christ. You love the Bible. You love his word. 
but you're not a part of the church, a local fellowship, and you're not building together. You're like that Jenga tower, and the church is like the, um, uh, the, the buttresses that are pressing up against it. And that tower, though, without the church, it may not, it may not sink, right? Because the, the foundation is solid, Christ and the foundation, but it will sway. It won't be stable. It'll feel insecure because you don't quite know where your role is. So guys, we're going to wrap this up and we're going to pray. Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you for you, number one, that your will for us is that we would be secure, that we would be saved and that we would be healed. God, I pray for my friends that have realized that they're not right with you. And today, I pray that as they respond to you in faith, as they repent of their sins, the way that they have invited insecurity into their life through disobeying you, God, I pray that you would confirm salvation as they turn to Christ, the one and only Savior, God, that you would cleanse them by his blood. And God, I pray for my friends that have felt insecure, that already know you, but they haven't been building a life on your word. They haven't been involved in the local church, Lord, so they don't know their place and they feel insecure. God, I just pray that you would raise up faith in them, Lord, to begin to love your word, to begin to build a life on your words, God, and not just wait for eternity, Lord, but to actually produce something here to be able to bring you an offering, Lord. And so, God, we just we give ourselves to you and we say, free us from all our insecurities and all of our hope is in you alone, Lord Jesus. We love you because you first loved us. And in that, we are rooted and grounded and truly secure. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to continue to talk about these matters in our community groups this week. So if you've not yet found one, please do go to our website where you can find both in-person and virtual options. We'll be praying for you, so let us know how we can be standing with you. And also think about how you can share this link with others who also need to be spurred on by the grace of God towards them. Uh, do invite those same people with you to our service next week. And until then, have a wonderful week in the Lord. God bless you. We love you. And we'll see you soon.